The light fades with death's cold embrace. You've already been zipped and tagged. Struggle as you might, it will not help. No one can break out of the body bag. Here to oversee the autopsy, your hosts, Chris Thomas and Broke Rider Dave. What's good, everybody, and welcome to Body Bag Podcast. I'm Chris Thomas, and with me, as always, Broke Rider Dave. How we doing, everybody? People, horror is a lot of things. Horror is obviously scary. It can be thrilling, it can even be infuriating. But what is often tossed aside and seldom talked about is the morality in horror. We're getting psychological today on Body Bag Podcast, and here to help us maintain our sanity, author of Vanilla, as well as Bell Chime, award-winning writer, Mona Cabani is on the show. Thanks for coming. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. Uh, as always, thanks for coming on. And, uh... Thank you for the movie pick for this week. I think it was our first A24 movie. Are you serious? Well, it's not the first A24 movie I've seen, but the first one we reviewed on the podcast. Oh, yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure, yeah. I was... <laughs> we'll get into that, but it was a really funny story because I didn't know it was an A24 movie. So yeah. smile went across my face when I saw those three beautiful characters <laughs> for multiple reasons. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I could fangirl about a twenty four all day. But oh, yes. oh, I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll fanboy with you about it when we get to there. But <laughs> perfect. But in the first half, let's talk about you for a little bit before we get into that. Sure thing. So, for I guess first off, morality and horror. That's that's the name of your Instagram name and the, your business, if I'm not mistaken. That's your name that you go by. A, that's a good name. I like that morality and horror. <laughs> Thank you. Um, B. Knowing that that's your name makes your movie pick makes all the more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, do you want to just go ahead and elaborate on how'd you settle on that name? Why why morality and horror? Sure. Um, so when I first started writing, my goal was to kind of pick a theme and stick with it. And for me, it was I really just enjoy horror, but. I always noticed that the movies that had a bit more of a moral concept kind of defining what's the difference between right and wrong, how black and white is that, or is it really just a gray line that people struggle with? And what would you do in those circumstances kind of stuck with me for longer. Mm -hmm. So it really just became my username because I used it to set a goal and like a brand for myself. And I was like, this is the type of horror I want to focus on. So this is what I'm going to like in the realm of the capacity that I'm going to write my content in and then it just stuck really well and i've yeah. like everyone refers now as morality and horror aka mona kabani so kind of that yeah. what was more of just like a goal setting thing became more of a brand and like who i am which is great um so that's like essentially how it got started and i, I love feeding into that because i do just naturally love psychological horror at the foremost of the subject um mm -hmm. or the um subsect of horror and then yeah it just kind of became that brand so like sticking on morality and psychology, where would you uh, side on that whole debate that's often around that of nature versus nurture? Do you think that people are born inherently, maybe not evil, but selfish and self-serving or that the world makes them that way? Or if both, does, do you think the scale leans like on one side more than the other? So I think on the topic of nature and nurture, which is like a, a whole thing in and of itself I think that it's a combination but for me and like my goals and what I try to 
write and show. I don't claim at all to be an expert matter or a subject expert Mm -hmm. on right versus wrong or morality or anything of that sort. I just like to think about situations that people might like find themselves in in a less horrific way, but could be mundane and then turn them horrific in my writing and show like, okay, this is what you might think is right and wrong, but let's really dive into like the character and the circumstances before and after and like analyze why this decision might be occurring. And maybe you might view it as a bad decision, but like sympathize with why they did it, or maybe you would view it as a good decision. I just think that there's no exact right or wrong. So I kind of more so try to like show a more detailed in-depth psychological like character study. I was just about to say character studies. Uh, yeah. That's when I said it made sense why you chose uh, it comes at night. I was like, and when I started watching, I was like, Oh, this makes sense. This is very much a character study type movie. Yeah. So I think it's really a lot more just about the observation. And I think everyone is going to have a different opinion, which is definitely something that we can discuss when we get to the movie part about like, what do you think was right and wrong in these decisions? And I think that's the fun part of it. Mm -hmm. I would never want to claim that I know like, no, this is right like all the time and everyone should be doing this like I'm not that type of philosopher but it's more so just like here are situations that can make us struggle with decisions of whether it's right or wrong and let's kind of analyze it together and like feel free to have a debate in your own mind about what you believe it's, of it's like those things when, when you're with friends and you and you give each other those would you rather kind of mm-hmm. things and you try to make them as harder and harder as possible to just just see where people's lines are sometimes is a very fun thing to explore yeah, yeah. exactly because now I love psychological horror as well as morally ambiguous stories as well. Um, what are some books or movies that you think are like top tier in that co- category? It doesn't necessarily have to be horror, but your top tier list of uh, movies or books that explore that kind of genre. Okay, so I think one of my favorite like psychological books would probably be and it's not really horror but like fight club i think has a oh, lot of yeah. Yeah. things that are it's very psychological of course but it's very like the, the entire book is super interpretive and it's like do you think anything was right or wrong in that and so that's a big one um i love american psycho that one mm-hmm. is a little bit more yeah. on like kind of the insanity side of humanity and like just very dark but um that's another the book is like entirely not entirely different from the movie but it has a more psychological depth than i think the movie portrays so i really enjoy that one katarina ward is a new author that's like coming onto the scene who writes with nightfire and i'm actually like just gonna post either today or tomorrow a review of her latest book but she does like a lot of psychological horror that's like very interesting and strikes a lot of debate Um, who is that again so we can keep an eye out katriana ward okay yeah, yeah. No, she's great. She just released Sundial, um, which is her first book, her debut. Actually, I don't even think it was her debut, but it was her debut, at least with um, Nightfire, which is a new publishing press, was an excellent psychological horror book. And now her new one is excellent as well, but has like a few debatable topics like nature versus nurture and such like that. So she's just fun. I like basically anything that kind of like triggers people to like have a debate and seeing what's right or wrong of the situation. So. Oh yeah. That's it's, 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 I love movies that make you uh, think a movie has done its job where it's been a week later and I'm still Mm -hmm. thinking about it. And a lot of the times, uh, like I'm trying to think of, have we done any good psychological horror on this podcast yet, Dave? Psychological horror? Yeah. I, I mean, the believe... closest I can think of yeah. is possibly 
uh, there's some instances in the mist? I think that when there's a sort of survival aspect, there there can be a lot of psychological horror in that because like you have to come to terms with decisions that you make that may be good for you but not good for others. So like I could see that considering at least from the book read, yeah. Because when I hey, definitely because when I, I I mentioned it before when I first saw the movie. Now I don't know how accurate or it or how faithful it is to the book, but I absolutely hated 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 that ending and i it just it just made me feel so uncomfortable just the decisions that these characters had to make Mm -hmm. but when we had to review it years later and i rewatched it it really grew on me and i love movies that make you you know take you out of your comfort zone and make you have to answer well am i as moral as i thought i would i would be in like situations like that you know where it you know things aren't always black and white there is that gray area yeah and i mean it's easy to like sit on a pedestal not to say that anyone would be doing that but just like the figurative sit on a pedestal and claim from an overhead view that no the character should have done this and that but you Mm -hmm. really don't know until you're in that situation yeah and i think that's what's fun about psychological horror and especially like in book form it's the first time you can kind of like see it through that actual point of view and like really feel it and experience it and be like oh yeah i'm probably not as moral as i think i am yeah like now i get kind of frustrated whenever i hear people say i would never ever do this or i would never ever do that and i think to myself well you know how how many times have maybe not nothing to the extreme but how many times have you ever said you wouldn't do something and then you ended up doing it anyway i mean maybe nothing to the extreme of killing somebody but just you know, you have it in you to contradict yourself. You really like, can't know until you're put in that situation, 100%. Exactly. So being a horror author, you obviously have to have a creative mind, but you also described yourself as being very business-minded as well. So how do you keep the two sides of that in check? Like what you do creatively versus what is feasible? Or do you even give yourself a restriction in terms of creativity versus your business mind? I don't think I give myself a restriction. I think um, the the thing with the with writing and with publishing is that when you're a writer, if you have someone else essentially taking care of the business for you, because in the end, it is technically a small business. You're trying to sell a product of which it is your work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be limited by people who are taking care of the business work for you because perhaps like it's just whatever the topic you want to write on or the way you want to write it it might not appeal to like what some might see as the current trends or like the mass population so I think that could be an issue with restriction which and not to say that there aren't people in publishing industries who aren't very great about working with authors and creative minds and letting them be free but just that that can be a situation that happens sometimes and for me, I went to business school and I, I studied marketing. And so essentially it was kind of like, well, I have this creative mind and I want to write these stories, but I also like know a good amount and I've been learning. Like it's it's not like I just knew instantly going in. It's a learning curve, just even in the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured I might as well just kind of manage the whole thing myself. And it's just been great because then that way I know like constantly that I'm going to be able to make decisions for whatever projects I'm working on in their future. And I know what's going on all the time with like, you know, like cover design ideas and plotting ideas and whatnot. And I get to pick who I want to work as my cover designer or my editor per project. So that's like a great aspect of it. Um, I think it just like allows me to have a little bit more control. And then that mm-hmm. way I have like no limitation to the creativity 
aspect. Well, mm-hmm. as, as somebody who is not, uh, well, we're trying to break into doing our writing, but I, yeah. I imagine that you have to struggle with, um, you, you have this product and you might have this book that you think is awesome, but you also have to be realistic and I guess determine exactly how much money you have to invest in it. How much mm-hmm. do you think that people are actually going to buy the product, I guess? So I don't know. I don't, it's not necessarily a question. It's just something that came up uh, that I was just thinking. Like, yeah. I, I'm not business savvy at all. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I would, think there are like, so you can, I do think of a lot of my decisions in a business manner, but also in the end, if you're writing or you're creating, producing art, you should be doing it for the forefront of yourself. I'm, like, we all know this. Um, yeah. I mean, why would you even get into it to begin with? So I think when it comes to cost benefit analysis, it's, what am I going to do to make this product the best it can be for me is mm-hmm. like the forefront thing. And whether that's putting a lot of money into an editor because editing editors truly do magical work um, on your writing and, and making it like the most fortified story and experience for yourself, like that should be kind of like your cost benefit initially. And then once like that product is made, then you can kind of be doing, then it's a little bit more of like, okay, cost benefit. Do I want to invest in more ads? Do I want to invest in more time doing social media work? It's like that, that becomes like a little bit of a switch because now you've already made the product to the best of like what will make you proud and happy. Um, I think more of the, the business decisions like really analytically come in after that product is done. Okay. Well, yeah. since we, we talked a little bit about the business part now. Why don't we get a little bit more specific? I believe Dave actually has some questions for you about your uh, work specifically. Sure. Yeah, some of the questions about the bell chime. Okay. A great read. If anybody out there hasn't read it yet, I suggest picking it up. Thank you. Sure, no problem. So my first question is, you did something very interesting. <laughs> you put an intermission in your book, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. So what was the idea behind doing that? So the bell chime was a fun product of absolutely pantsing the entire thing. Like when I started it, it was initially supposed to be kind of an anthology. Um, So I had written the bell chime, the first portion, and I had written Lauren separately. And I was going to kind of go back to the first part and just like have this weird Lauren thing in the middle and then write the background of the first part, if that makes sense. And then I was like, this makes no fucking sense. Why am I doing this like this? And when I read it (laughs) through again, I was like, why don't I just interconnect these? So I ended up having a connected story, yet, yet that was extremely disconnected. So it was in part to kind of glue those pieces together and also in part because the subject matter is very distressing and I absolutely recognize that. It it is also intentionally to like give a break to the reader and to kind of, the story has a lot of like psychological mm, concepts that could be confusing too. So I really wanted people to like pace themselves a bit more instead of like, binge it too hard and like really yeah. absorb everything that was happening to like get a better experience. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, sometimes it's good to uh, get to a certain point and then just kind of get up and walk away from it for a minute and yeah, yeah. G- give yourself a time to be like, all right, uh, what, what did I just read there? Yeah. yeah. Give us some digest. Yeah. That's the thing with psychological horror is it can be really distressing and I never want to like 
really distress someone to the point of being triggered into a horrible experience. So it's a little bit of like a reminder of like, hey, take good care of yourself and maybe take a break if one's needed and whatnot. So, yeah. Also, uh, like you were talking about Lauren, what was the inspiration behind her character? Um, So I have a very dear friend named Lauren. And she actually works in the publishing industry um, and helps kind of keep track of me and my writing. And she reads a lot of like my stuff, beta reads and whatnot. So she's great. And I have an actual, the elevator that's in the bell chime is actually the based off of the elevator that's in my apartment building. It's like a very creepy elevator. And I just remember she used to always complain that there were no characters named Lauren really that she would ever read. And then um, at another point in time, we went into the elevator together and she was like, you should base a horror story off this elevator. So I wrote, as I had said previously, Lauren for her as a separate distinct story. And then when I brought it into the bell chime, I was able to kind of, you know, make it in the the thing it was without revealing too much of the story for anyone who might read this, read it after and watch, be listening to this. But yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. I mean, you just make this story and then she, she did she go, I didn't think you were actually going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> she, she, yeah, she was very happy. And especially after it won an award and stuff, I, I messaged her and I was like, this is your success. It's you. And she was like, yay. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's my name on it, but <laughs> you know, but it's yours. But it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of the same, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. So I kind of got from the bell chime like kind of has this like reality versus pleasure type message. Mhm. And you were seeing that like more and more nowadays with like the metaverse and all oh God, and NFTs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so in that situation what do you think you would probably do you think you'd stick it out in reality or it sounded like we struck a nerve when you when you mentioned metaverse yeah oh yeah i know it's because i was talking with my partner the other day we, we saw like a metaverse ad and i was like how many black mirror episodes have to be created for us to understand that creating a virtual reality upon our pleasures probably isn't the best idea but yeah yeah um what would I do? I mean, yeah. it goes back to the whole, like, you can never really know until you're in this situation. Yeah. What mm-hmm. I would say probably, honestly, is maybe take the virtual reality <laughs> version, which, I, like, completely contradicts my whole, like, no, we should live in the real. But you really yeah. don't know. I'm trying to put myself in, like, the if I really was in that much pain. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to know. And I don't think that there is a right answer to it. And I hope that the reader wouldn't think that either. It's really just like, kind of understanding that, like, how much is too much to go through before it's okay for like, that decision to be made that you want to like, escape reality. Yeah, I'm kind of like the same way. Like, I'd say like, yeah, I'd definitely stick it out in reality. But if I was really in a going through everything like that, I don't know how I'd react to it. Yeah. Knowing that I have that option. It actually reminds me of, um, I think it was a psychological, I don't know if conundrum being the right word, but um, if, if if you picture what your perfect life is right now, and some scientists came up to you and said, well, we can put you in this deprivation tank, and you'd be hooked up with it, basically, all of your bodily functions would be taken care of, and your food supply, you'd be hooked up, whatever, but we would, you would essentially be kind of put into your a fantasy ideal life and you would live it out. You would live out your natural progression of your life, but you wouldn't know that you're in this tank or whatever like that. It was just, but for all intents and purposes, you're just living your best life. But 
you, you have to make the decision, are you going to get in that tank, even though it's not going to be real. It'll be real to you, but... Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, because my question also would be, all the relationships that you have in that virtual reality aren't with real people. You're interacting yeah. with them in the way that you're imagining. Yeah, it's your conception you. of them. Yeah. So, like, is that real enough for you? Is that something that's acceptable to you and you'll be satisfied with? That's, like, a whole other thing. I've, yeah. I've asked that question to so many people, and immediately, yeah. the, every single one of them go, yes, yes, put me in the tank. <laughs> yeah. well, Just immediately. I'm like, but, but it, it completely eliminated. I was thinking that we were going to sit here and talk for a good like 30 minutes but you guys yeah. don't even want to talk about the ethics of this isn't really you and your real family is out there yeah. <laughs> and all that business but they're like no nah, just put me in the tank yeah i have yeah. i have no I, I would need like a very long talk <laughs> about what the pros and cons are for me to be able to make a decision like that up yeah. i would i would have to be in a very lonely place i think <laughs> for me to make yeah. that decision yeah because i mean but just the stuff that you guys were talking about, it just reminded me of it. And I never know when I'm going to bring it up again. Might as well bring it up now. <laughs> what yeah. better place than in the middle of the podcast? Because like you said, when you go into your perfect life, you're leaving the actual people that you care about behind. Yes. It just like, well, yeah. might be in your perfect world, but yeah, in real life, you're not going to be there for them. Yeah. It just sounded very similar from when you were talking about the... Is it the, the ch bell chime that you're talking about? Yeah. It just sounded uh, very similar to that thought experiment that I had. Yeah. About. Yeah. And that was like another part to the bell chime was the fact that like what the last question is like, what would you abandon um, for happiness? And it's like exactly like you're leaving still a real life behind like that doesn't, doesn't just go away. So unless you're <laughs> into solipsism. But um, yeah. Yeah. Getting very deep and philosophical episode <laughs> on this episode of Body Bag. It tends podcast. to happen when I when I'm around. Oh, I love yeah. it. I I, I, yeah. I I rarely get a chance to like just sit and get deep for a little bit. Anything more over there, Dave? No, I think we are good to get into the movie. Well, before we do that, um, do you have anything in the works that we could be looking forward to in the future? Sure. So, my goal this year is to publish two new novellas. Um, the one that I'm working on right now, which I'm hoping to be released within three months, that's a really ambitious goal, but I think I can do it. It's tentatively called For You Right Now. Um, and it has to do with the past experience I had, which is the reason why I had to cancel our first appointment for this podcast of my dog dying. Mm -hmm. um, so that is one that's coming through. It's kind of going to be like a Victorian, like a little bit more action, but like still with a lot of psychological decision making in it. Um, and then yeah. I have a second one for this year, more towards the end of the year called performance and that one's more like technological haunting but like as always with the psychological aspect to it um both novellas so those are those are my upcoming releases goals for this year okay and if uh if people want to get in touch or find you uh where can they where can they find you sure so morality and horror is if you just google it normally everything comes up but my instagram is morality and horror that one is where i'm most interactive feel free to dm me um i Pretty, quite responsive on there i post a lot of yeah. like reviews and different stuff um and then i do have a website www.moralityandhorror.com you can sign up for my newsletter there i don't have a newsletter that i'm releasing currently but i do like to just kind of collect contacts just in the yeah. future if I, it ever wills me to do so um my books are available on amazon but like if you do follow me and you want to message me on instagram i do sell signed editions of my book as well yeah i just got my signed copy yesterday mm-hmm I hope you yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, I'm going uh, to start once I finish Sister Fun Time, so. 
Ah, Sister Fontaine's so good. I beat her yeah. in that. I love Hamilton. He's great. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. He was the one who uh, had us watch The Mist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Figures. Yeah, he's excellent. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to your movie pick for this episode, which was It Comes at Night. Now, funny story real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, I I said earlier, I didn't know that this was an A24 movie, and I have kind of a – I have a mixed feeling relationship with uh, A24 movies. Um, I like a lot of the ones that don't – get a lot of love and but the one that i don't i I, ne- I never got into the lighthouse and i and it frustrates me because it feels like it should be a movie that i really really like um i haven't watched the lighthouse yet it's been on my list um which is honestly because i do love like all the horror movies that mm-hmm. um a24 yeah. puts out mm-hmm. like i saw lamb in theaters which that one was like a fucking weird movie that one was going to be my <laughs> next one because it just looked so weird it's yeah it's very strange. I wouldn't exactly call it horror. I'd just call it like bizarre. It's really weird. Um, but I still liked it because like I, I get what it was doing. Mm-hmm. And that, and A24 sure. is another one we're talking about movies that you're still discussing weeks after. Like me and yes, my partner yeah. after watching that film. What was that about? Yeah, would <laughs> yeah. not shut up. Like we kept arguing about like the reason for the film, like what actually happened, et cetera. So I think they do a very good job at that. Now, I, I both am kind of... Uh, well, here's my love-hate relationship with it. I love the fact that, whether good or bad, A24 takes really strange projects. And I love yeah. the fact that they are – it's like they won't accept or they won't put out a movie unless it's really weird and crazy. And that that's kind of the same reason why even if uh, it's bad, like M. Night Shyamalan movies um, – even if he puts out a bad movie, I respect the fact that he takes not just generic scripts. So I do like that. But at the same time, at the end of – first off, I never leave an A24 movie feeling happy. <laughs> I, 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 at best, I yeah. leave feeling confused and at worst, I leave feeling sad. Mm-hmm. And some, And every time I finish watching one, I go, you know, is this – is this movie deep or is it just that I'm supposed to think it's deep or is yeah, it, or is it dumb? Because uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen Swiss army man. I um, no. And that's a dumb movie, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I mean, it, <laughs> is it a 24? It's a 24 and it's okay. Daniel Radcliffe plays oh. a Daniel Radcliffe plays a dead body who uh, gets washed ashore. And a man basically uses Daniel Radcliffe's body as a Swiss army knife type thing. He's a Swiss army man to basically stay alive. Uh, he uses his body for all sorts of things. I have to watch this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very Sounds ridiculous. weird. I love yeah. it. <laughs> oh, I, I love that movie too. But all right, you know, I'm getting way off topic. Let's get back to it comes at night here for a <laughs> yeah. second. So how, do, how to explain it comes at night. Um, if you are a fan of closure, I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend this movie. No, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you ain't getting it. Yeah. Um. But if you want a a good character study, it is a good movie. If you want some tense moments, this is a good movie. Yeah. yeah. I read a few reviews uh, to prep for this just to kind of see what other people thought. 
Um, and it's the like everything about it is pretty great, but except unless you're a person that like likes closure and wants mm-hmm. a traditional horror movie, yeah, where like you know what happened in the end, mm-hmm. you will hate it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, spoilers by the way. This I don't know. There's there's not really much to give away because the thing yeah. also with a24 movies is that it's not necessarily the situation that the characters are in it's how they interact with their world around them and each yeah. other is where the story is yeah so if the the funny story that i was going to say is that i watched this movie with my folks and <laughs> um i didn't know until the intro credits that it was an a24 movie and within the first 10 15 minutes i knew all right I know that we're not going to know at the end what happens <laughs> or we're yeah. not going to know what comes at night at the end. I feel um, like watching yeah. this movie with your family. Oh, by the way, the title is another thing I want to have a completely other debate on. But Oh, um, okay. I- <laughs> well, that, that's fine. We'll get, in, yeah. we'll get into that. But I just wanted to say when we got about to 40 minutes, which is about the halfway point because this is a 90 minute movie. Yeah. When we got to about the 40, 50 minute mark. I, my father had to pause the movie, and he just angrily went, "This movie is slow. I don't even know what's happening right now." Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like well, I "It is a good slow burn, man." I was like, <laughs> he's and and when it got to the end, and it just cut to black, and I I just looked at him and I just went, "It comes at night." <laughs> he, he, he was so, what he, comes at night? <laughs> he was in a foul mood for the entire rest of the night. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I feel like it would be interesting to have watched that with your family because a lot yeah. of it is I think the pull quote from that movie is I know you're just trying to protect your family but don't mm-hmm. let mine die because of it and I yes. think that like the reactions that we have when it comes to protecting family versus protecting ourselves are so different so I was gonna say yeah. I, I would imagine it'd be kind of cool to like see that ending with your family and looking over to them and seeing like well what would you do for me and etc but I guess yeah. your dad just was like nope fuck this no <laughs> <laughs> my 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 dad was that way and well, well just to kind of give you an idea of um well my it's it's not my father's cup of tea because <laughs> he said he yeah. he's like fair. he said this movie man i hated this movie it reminded me of fargo and i, and I was like well that's another critically acclaimed movie you just <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah. he, he he doesn't like slow paced i guess dialogue centric tense heavy movies that's totally uh, fair. Which is yeah. fine, but my mother, on the other hand, was a little bit more forgiving of it. <laughs> and uh, we were like, yes, Dad, you don't get it. The, the, what comes at night, it's all about like the, the darkness of humanity. <laughs> we were just trying to figure that out. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> I know. You have to like want to have depth yeah. and whatnot for movies yeah. like that. It's, yeah. With it's A24, a- you have to be in the right kind of mood for it. 100%. Um, but just real quick in like one or two sentences the movie is about a uh post-apocalyptic world in which a i guess a disease has ravaged all of humanity and everybody's pretty much on their own and the story takes place in the middle of the woods following this family who run into another family and it's basically all about it explores paranoia as well as uh people uh what's what's moral about like trying to do everything you can to save your family or yourself. Yeah. Would you kill somebody else's family in the process? It yeah. you know, asks all those questions. Do you get an answer at the end? No, no. <laughs> but it, but it puts it out there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this movie, if we've watched the world the past couple of years, kind of fairly depicted how people react. Yeah. 
and world crisis. You could easily just say that this was a strain of COVID or something. And, and, and yeah, yeah, I watched it actually with my partner last night, and I had seen this movie already like three times. I love this movie, um, mm-hmm. and it came out I think in 2017. And he, yeah. did, I didn't, I didn't tell him when it was released. I was just like, we're watching this tonight, and he was like, wow, they took like a lot from COVID and how people react during COVID with the masks and everything. And I was like, oh, but honey, this is before COVID. And he was like, yeah. oh, really? And I was like, yeah, I think they just very accurately predicted. Yeah. But also, yeah. this isn't the first time humanity's gone through a pandemic. So oh, yeah. There, yeah. There's some historical copying there. But, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. you could... I, I think we said... We had mentioned the same thing. We were talking about cabin fever the other uh, the other day. And I was like, you could even easily say that this was a strain of COVID or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, and people would just mm-hmm. say, like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So... Is there any particular reason why you wanted to pick this movie? There are a lot of psychological horror movies out there, a lot of A24 movies out there. What uh, what made you want to pick this one? I love this movie because I find it utterly fascinating that they're able to instill such a deep sense of paranoia and fear without having an actual antagonist. Mm-hmm. Like, there's yeah. only two points with the grandpa that you see in the movie what actually happens to these people and it lasts for like a second like you really it's not the point of the movie is this antagonist this evil this bad guy that we kind of always feast for in our media of Mm -hmm. here's the hero and here's the opposer and we're gonna overcome the bad guy and like save humanity it's very much just like okay we're gonna focus on how people react in like desperation and these devastating crises and the the evil is yourself and i love stuff like that the post-apocalyptic setting is definitely a the perfect setting for that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um because um it doesn't have anything to do with zombie zombies but it made me think of walking dead a little bit where Mm -hmm. that shows uh you know that show has a lot of people who like are on side this or side this and it's like well what would you do if you you know you have to protect your family would you be willing to compromise your morals for this and whatnot and it's post-apocalyptic settings are perfect for asking these kinds of questions when there's like when there's no law basically and you pretty much are running your lives on your own law basically it's yeah, funny, cut. like you say, there's no law, but it's funny how he, like that's another thing is because the setting and everything is so simple. It's just a family, and it's just the woods. Mm-hmm. Like they did create law. Like Paul had. I mean, government law, things, though. Yeah. I know, but like there, it's it's interesting because it's still like people can't live without rules, almost. Yeah. And that's yeah. a you question: Can you live? Can you yeah. live without structure or rules? If the government wasn't there, do you think we'd just kind of be like, all right, cool, anarchy, and let's go about our way? Or do you think that we would set still into place rules? Like, I just, it's like interesting, even things like that to think about, like, are, do humans need rules in order to survive and carry on? It's kind of like yeah, when you I see think, a, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I think it'd be like, you'd see it split off into two, because I think there are certain people who need like that structure to get by, or they're just going to completely crack. Mm-hmm. And then you see people who kind of thrive in chaos. It's kind of like when you watch the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and then you get to like the <laughs> second or third movie and you're like, oh, no, there's a whole pirate code and a whole there's there's a lot of internal politics for these uh, for these vigilantes who go around and pillage and live lawlessly. They have their own set of rules. Well, yeah, yeah. even like in John Wick with like the assassins, yeah. they're extreme criminal like underground people, but they have mm. rules and stuff, too. And there's like always yeah. a rule of code somewhere. And is it? that that's just an actual reflection of how humanity is or is it just a plot device for media and i think that's like a yeah. plot. well i think i think it is a storytelling device it's just basically 
whoever basically whoever has the guns or whoever has the power are the ones who are going to make the rules. So, and they're yeah. going to be the one that protects their own interests. So, yeah. But yeah, this movie was <laughs> the entire time, which is what the movie was supposed to do. I just kept saying, "All right, so is this new family going to turn out to be like bad guys, or is the family that we started out with are they actually secretly bad people?" Or is um, yeah. I I kept thinking. I was thinking way too much for something that really wasn't going to be that deep with it. It was like, I thought that there was going to be like, oh, and it turned out that this person was actually the secret bad guy all along. I should have known halfway through that. I was like, no, it's not not that kind of movie. But I think you are kind yeah. of supposed to because so one of the reviews I was reading through and it was something that I was thinking about, too, is we mainly see the story through Travis, which is the kid of the first family, Paul and Sarah, yeah. who live in that lodge. The one who's having the nightmares. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we see it mainly through his perspective. And he's quite neutral ground. Obviously, he loves yeah. his parents, but he also is kind of um, I don't want to say falling for because it's not that type of love, but he's like developing a bond with this new family and they are treating yeah. him well and he does like them. So he's a very neutral ground. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is that like in the end, when what happens happens, it's he obviously is like horrified by what his family has done. Plus, he blames like, himself. You can tell. Yeah. But like you also can kind of understand the decision. So I think it's a little bit of like, which family do you think was wrong or which decisions do you think were right or wrong or et cetera? Or, or was there, because it's all survival and everyone's just panicking. So as an yeah. aside, I did like how they kind of played with him kind of being attracted to her, but I think it was more the fact that he was just, he just liked the idea of some new people being around yeah. and he's, he was 17 years old. So he's obviously going to like, she was a good looking woman. So he's obviously, you know, there'll be a little bit of a lustful attraction. I mean, he's only been with his folks and his dog for the last, cause we don't even know how long this has been going on for. Yeah. So he's been out there for how, whoever knows how long and you know, new people, one of them's an attractive woman. So he's going to have that, but it didn't go anywhere, which I thought was good. It was like, this yeah. is just, it's a natural thing that, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was handled very well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but man, yeah. I, so you said that you had, you, you could have a whole debate on the title. It comes at night. Go, go ahead and let's, let's talk about it. I guess it's not a debate. I know what I think it is that comes at night because this is another thing that my partner was saying during out throughout the movie and it was one of the rules that they made that we don't go out at night mm -hmm. but they don't specifically say why they're just like it's not safe to go out at night um mm -hmm. and so you kind of assume there's something lurking and the entire time every time there was a scene that happened when they're outside at night my partner would be like they're night walkers they're these creepy things this, the illness just only comes out at night and it's going to get them or whatever and so like my question posed to you guys first before I answer what I think it is, is what do you think it is that comes at night? I think an argument okay, could be yeah. made is that you could say that it's the nightmares, mm -hmm. uh, that it's Travis's nightmares. Mm -hmm. um, I think that could. Now, that's one thing. But when I was talking to my mom, who was the other person I was watching it with, uh, who was actually willing to sit and try to have a discussion about it, um, <laughs> she said it was uh, – the darkness was a metaphor for like humanity and uh, the evil in us. So when the darkness comes, uh, or it comes at night. It's the darkness that comes. It's the darkness in us that's coming at night. Yeah, that's that. That is what hers uh, was when we were debating about it. So those are the two that I think it could possibly be that, or just like it could be the nightmares that they're talking yeah. about with Travis. What about you, Dave? Well, I think it's more of like. 
Yeah, no, like, yeah, they have flashlights, but you really can't see. Like, there's that one scene where he talks about, like, yeah, come up here so I can see the Donald Valley, make sure no one's coming. At night, you're not going to have that vision. And, like, Will broke in at night. If you're going to steal supplies from people, you do it at night. So it's kind of like, it comes at night. Probably other people we mm-hmm. don't want to make contact with. Mm-hmm. So... She's she's sitting there <laughs> listening, critiquing yeah. us. Tell us why we're yeah. wrong. Yeah. No, I don't think you guys are wrong at all. And I think that's what's great about this movie is that there's yeah. no right or wrong answer. But I do, like, my opinion is that I think, and I think what you guys said all feeds into what it is. Like, it's all right. Is that this movie thrives on paranoia. Mm-hmm. And, like, they use every single paranoia trope that there is in a subtle way between Will accidentally changing his story because he had said previously that he was living with his brother before coming to the lodge to say he was an only child to the like extremely dramatic shots that make you think is there something in the woods make you paranoid is something watching i think it is a resemblance to you know you like lie down at night and like Mm -hmm. thoughts start to come and that's when like if you're in a bad situation the paranoia and the overthinking and the anxiety really comes and that's what feeds into our perhaps bad behavior or making like wrong decisions so i think it comes at night is kind of like yeah it's like that darkness in humanity and um that like threat that we just kind of feed into ourselves when we're lying there and it's nighttime and we're getting like scared maybe the title it comes at night is a red herring or a MacGuffin, in that you're you're sitting there it's just at fueling the what is it what is it when it's like but maybe the title has nothing to do with anything. Maybe nothing even, do- maybe it is a representation, like you were saying, of paranoia of yeah. it's, you know, it's a question that you're asking. Maybe because they say they come at night, but uh, they had an interaction in the daytime too with stuff mm-hmm. that, that was going yeah. on. So maybe, you know, maybe it comes at night isn't even a true thing. Maybe it's a red herring of some sort to, yeah. to just throw you off. Yeah. It, it just serves as another uh, just series of questions that the audience is left asking and uh, just adds to the confusing world that they're already living in. Yeah. And I think it also like feeds into everyone's want for closure. Like how I was saying before, this is a movie you're going to either love or hate because when you see the title, it comes at night. Yeah. You're going to think, okay, this is the villain comes at night and we're going to like have a tangible thing that we can place all of our issues into and this is why the world is the way it is and everything's wrong and it's like that doesn't happen or maybe the writer is an asshole (laughs) (laughs) that's absolutely valid as well (laughs) maybe the writer just wanted people to ask questions like that and it means absolutely nothing (laughs) and that's why and that has been my frustration with a24 movies Mm -hmm. that at the end of it i don't know if a lot a lot of the times i think that a24 movies um people say that they're a lot deeper than it actually is mm-hmm. which is what i said about the lighthouse now you you could probably watch the lighthouse something tells me you'll end up watching the lighthouse and you'll be like what is chris talking about that movie is awesome <laughs> yeah. but well i i think that i mean but that's again that's a24 is brilliant for doing that because it makes people sit there maybe you know the brilliance of that company is making people they they could put out a movie about a a woman who gives birth to a lamb child and people yep. will sit and be like man 
what does that mean? It's a <laughs> on the industry. Yeah, I know. Like, absolutely. I think A24 succeeds at having an extensive catalog of, like, bizarro Disturbia films. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. think everything is going to click with everyone. I'm a huge fan of them but even for Mm -hmm. me hereditary does not click for me i've watched it like four times and everyone loves that movie yes and that's totally great i get why after like the third time i was like okay like i can see it but it does not click for me at all with with hereditary it's like with a24 movies you people either love it or hate it but for most of them i watch i go it's all right it was okay, but it's it's you don't find a lot of people who just go it's okay with a twenty four movies because mm-hmm. people who who've watched Hereditary go, man, that's the best horror movie I've seen in a long, long time. And I go, really? I mean, it was all right. I mean, I don't need yeah. a I don't need all sorts of gore and 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 violence in, in my horror movies. Not all the time, but this movie was. I don't know. I, I wasn't scared. But I mean, yeah. kudos yeah. to you if you were. I, mean, I think for me, it was just like we got to the ending of that movie and I was just like, for why? For why did this happen? I for, don't like understand. For why? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then other people like totally got it. So I think that's the thing is it's, and that probably has to do with like our separate, like every human is completely different. We have separate experiences and whatnot. So you're going to click with some things as compared to other people clicking with others. And that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. A twenty four like just divides people. <laughs> just, <laughs> Basically, there, yeah. There's there's certain movies that like franchises that bring people together that people can enjoy. A twenty four just divides friendships because you'll think that uh, your friend is stupid because they, they don't get it and and you do, or maybe there's nothing to get and you're just making something out of nothing. But you know what? That is that's that's the brilliance of that company. So. Yeah, it's yeah. genius marketing. Marketing because you're going to talk a lot more debating something than agreeing about it, you so. you as oh, a yeah. business you as a businesswoman and marketer pro- probably really appreciate that i'm sure yeah. i think like any pr is good pr so when people are like even raging about how awful a movie is and that it doesn't make sense and blah blah someone's always going to want to come up and be like i'll bet i'll understand something from that movie that that person did and then that's more views so like exactly. you know it kind of all feeds into itself one way or another yeah it's well that that's also the funny thing because i think that's the reason why people like will defend their position so passionately when it comes to movies like this is because nobody ever wants to admit i didn't get it (laughs) or nobody wants to come off as ignorant so when people talk about it you'll see a lot of people go oh okay it's kind of like when tenant came out (laughs) and and (laughs) i did not get that movie (laughs) And I was right watching it, and I was yeah. shaking my head like, "All right, um," and and I love time travel movies; are some of my favorite movies. And I was like, "Yeah, I watch movies like this all the time: time travel, and you know, demit and all that sort of stuff, reverse entropy, nonsense, whatever." Yeah, halfway through, I'm like, "Yeah, um, <laughs> all right." So, so you're moving forward in time yeah. while also moving backward in time but you also had in that movie and like you can't tell me but you 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 were able to catch the bullet but you were also (laughs) you also had to have shot it in the first place even though you didn't know you were going to shoot it in the past (laughs) it makes me wonder if people who create convoluted things like this do they even know what's going on or do we just reach a point where it's like well the audience will eat it either way so it's just the the audience is going to be too scared to be called stupid to say that they don't get it so you we're gonna have people come and watch this movie and give it five stars all across the board just because they don't want to come off looking dumb 
yeah but that's yeah. why i maintain the position or the stance of i know nothing ever and i'm just learning yeah. so <laughs> uh, yeah. well i don't know why you guys are turning to me for i was sitting here watching i saw exactly what you watched i don't know what's going <laughs> exactly. on either <laughs> yeah. so because this movie um i mean other than the ending kills uh, we usually do uh like kills of the movie this is going to be the second time where we don't do kill of the movie because there's nothing no, really yeah. to like categorize so uh, I'll just ask what your favorite scene of the movie is for this movie. It comes at night. Um, I can do mine first if you want to think about yeah, it for a second. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it is the scene in which I knew that this was going to be a really tense movie, and that is when Will is in the back of the pickup truck and they're just driving down that road. Mm. And oh, that <laughs> before the before the uh, the people on the side of the road start shooting at him. You just see him like looking in the back, looking at Will. Will you know, they're just driving around, and the entire time I'm like, "All right, who's gonna do what?" It's mm -hmm. it's a long scene of them just driving down, and him yeah. looking in the rearview mirror at oh Will, God, especially when they make yeah. eye contact for that period of like time, yeah. like ten yeah. second eye contact. I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "All right, so is Will about to make a run for it? Is he about to try to?" overpower him or is this guy going to get paranoid and just shoot him on sight because he thinks he's about to do something yeah. that's that that's where this movie excels and just creating uncomfortable moments where it's like yeah. you literally don't know who's going to crack first mm -hmm. yeah i literally thought he's about to pop fiction well back there so i'd say that's probably my favorite because that was when it hit me i was like all right this movie's going to be a fill with a lot of moments like this yeah yeah I remember when he no. told them to sit in the back. I was like, "Are you fucking insane?" <laughs> because yeah. I was like, "He's just gonna come around and clock you in the side of the head." But then I was also like, "But he has equal power as well because if he gets clocked in the head, they're gonna he's gonna crash and Will could yeah. die." So like that that was definitely interesting because that shows like the this, this decision tree start to get made of like, okay, what's the pro and con to this, and like, will it protect me as much as it will defend myself? You know. Mm -hmm. uh, what about you there, Dave? My favorite scene was probably towards the beginning. That nice long scene where it goes down the hallway and shows you the red door for the first time. Mm. I just love how they filmed it. And then the score for it made me really, oh, I was like, okay, this film's really going to play a paranoia. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah. also a lot of quiet moments in this in, in this oh, movie. Yeah. Well, because uh, what's more disturbing <laughs> than silence yeah. in a people, tense moment? People don't like sitting in silence. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's either awkward or they don't like their own thoughts sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but that's why I love movies who have very – a lot of times who play with it and don't put a lot of music or none at all. Yeah. Uh, that, that definitely is a good way to build tension. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, what about you there? Uh, I'm going to have maybe what's an annoying answer, but it could also <laughs> be a good conclusion is – for me, my favorite scene is the last one before we see the empty chair mm -hmm. when we have the mini montage of Travis walking through the door mm -hmm. um, yeah. and what like happened to him because I think that's like the culmination of all your questions in the end is who was the did the right thing and was whatever happened necessary because what that final scene did is essentially showed three options for what truly happened and it's something that we'll never know and it's either andrew the small child either was able to get through that door and get sick by the dog 
um, and then infected Travis. And I guess potentially in that case, what um, Paul and Sarah and Travis did, like their family was right in trying to protect themselves. Or Mm -hmm. Travis was the one that initially went through the door and infected Andrew, in which case, like, they are wrong. Or are they wrong because it's like, the kid was still infected and obviously everyone's going to save their own family mm-hmm. or like the kid wasn't infected at all. And it was just Travis. Cause you never know if that yeah. kid was infected and therefore like, you know, who's right. Or wrong. So I think it's just like that final like showing of just like, Oh, Hey, by the way, this could have been another possibility. What do you think now was just very yeah. like, Oh shit. For me. In another, in right. another universe, this is what happened. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, that's another thing is, did Travis actually go through the door? Or was it one of his nightmares too? Like you don't know. Yeah. So it's like that, mm. that last scene just like fucked me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that's the thing about when you, cause we see a lot of Travis's dreams. So a lot of the times we don't know, like when he woke up and he had sores all over his body, uh, <laughs> we didn't know if that was a dream or not. It was a, uh, and it was him kind of hallucinating. And then later on, he, we do see him with sores all over his body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it it's definitely um, uh, we didn't do this last time, Dave, but um, our 30 point scale. Um, okay. What what would you, what would you rank this on the old scale? Give it a 24. Give it a 24? <laughs> a 24? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> didn't even think about that, but it works. <laughs> Some things are just made by design. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, now, I, now, I don't know, I just... I will say this, the fact that it is an A24 movie is sways my opinion because I'm like, all right, I know what I'm getting into. It helps me get in the right frame of mind for uh, for a particular movie. So in in that case, I would say for the tension building, because I can't I can't bring myself to bring it uh, to a high 20s because it does irritate. I do have that sense of longing of wanting to know what happened, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I will give it a. Maybe just two points lower, I'd say maybe 21, 22, because my, my scale is if it's in the 20s, it's a good movie. And I can recognize that a movie is a good movie um, and it had good tension building. So it'll be on the lower scale of the 20s for me. So I'd say 21, solid 22 I'd, out of 30, I'd say it was pretty good. Yeah, Tension building alone was, you know, just makes me uncom- uncomfortable throughout the entire thing, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. And not knowing kind of makes you want to watch it multiple times mm-hmm. to try to catch things you didn't see the first time. Oh yeah, that 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 yeah. company. Yeah, I always this... like making people watch it because then I get to see it again for like my own ingestion. But I'm also like, yeah. how is this person going to react? And it's always fun yeah. to see different like people's different reactions because they're also varied. Me, me, and my family bonded over my father's <laughs> hatred of this yeah. movie. <laughs> that 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 yeah. movie brought our family together for a little bit, actually. So, it's a, yeah. so watch this movie. It's a family movie. You know, <laughs> uh, it comes at night. A family movie. There you go. But yeah, I, I very much enjoyed it. Is there, yeah. is there any like last comments uh, about the movie or anything that maybe we didn't touch on or discuss or that you wanted yeah. to at least bring up real quick? Well, I kind of thought about this question watching the movie. I just want to see what you guys think. Okay. When you're in a post-apocalyptic world. There's going to be a fair, solid chance that you're going to be in a situation where you need to trust a stranger. Mm-hmm. How much can you actually trust your fellow, you know, human? And on that yeah. note, thank you for listening to the Body Bag <laughs> Podcast, everybody. This has been Chris Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave you with that little nugget. 
to think about guys for the week. I should have just I should just end the episode like right there. Just at that question. <laughs> just That is a really good question. I think it's yeah. like it is really what the, the movie is about too. Yeah. How much will you trust um uh so your question is is are how much would you be willing to trust somebody uh, a complete stranger, you mean? Yeah. None after watching this movie. Um <laughs> All right. I mean in that situation you kinda have to. I mean they have resources you need, you have resources they need. Kinda to try to find the that happy medium. I guess I'd be more inclined to. I I'd like to. I, I'm I I side on the. Uh, I'd like to think people are decent inherently. Yeah. Are and not as bad as, as uh whether news or movies make people out to be. So yeah. I would probably be more inclined to. I I would, I I would keep an eye on him, but I would probably be more inclined to trust people. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's tough because I don't think anyone at any point in that movie made like a mean or wrong decision. They were just yeah. all trying to like protect themselves. So it's like, were, was anyone bad in that or is it just the outcome of unfortunate circumstances? Well, was I missing something or was there any reason why he didn't just let Will and his family just leave? I because, mean, yeah, yeah, they have like a fortress and they have resources. Um, yeah. And essentially if the family left and then maybe found other people they could lead them all to, they, to their the fortress. remote fortress essentially i guess they, since they already found out there's that only three of them i guess in they, a vast world i guess since they already we've already uh established that nobody told the truth here he could have been lying and saying oh there, there could have been more people out there that they knew um, yeah. it which when they got jumped by those people on the side of the road and uh, Will was on that guy punching the guy out. I thought that was just an act. I thought mm-hmm. he, I thought he actually did know those guys, uh, and he was just like, "Well, I have to sell it," and that's why he said no when he went to go shoot him. Yeah, um, exactly. That, and then also them saying like, "Oh no, I just happened upon your house. I, I just was looking for water and supplies." And then Sarah yeah. later says, "Did he mention about Dad burning?" And that they probably saw the smoke, actually, yeah. and that's what brought them. In which case, they did know there were people there, and mm-hmm. they did try to ambush. So it's like, how much of what he was saying was the truth? And everything could have been validly the truth and validly untruth. So, yeah. yeah. Just left up to the audience to decide for themselves. Yeah. Exactly. That makes a great movie. It leaves you with a bunch of, you know, things to think about going forward. Well, well if anything, I want to say thank you for recommending our first a24 movie for the show yeah that was that, that was that was a treat uh, thanks thank you for bringing me and my family closer together and um dave horror therapy one movie at a time yeah <laughs> horror, horror can bring people together exactly um so dave do you want to go ahead and before we sign out tell everybody what we got coming up uh coming up we should have my top 10 uh, body horror movies that should be coming out. Yep, that should and be then, coming up. Then in a couple weeks, we have Tag coming back from season one, and we're going to be reviewing The Joker. So, we're taking a little bit of a delve from horror into, um, well, that's another kind of psychological movie. Yeah. yeah, I love that movie. I've seen that movie like 10 times. <laughs> that's a great movie. Yeah. Um, unpopular opinion. Do I think it was Oscar worthy? Not necessarily. But I, I think I... his performance was. I get what yeah. you're saying, though. I, I, I enjoyed the movie. Didn't necessarily think it was Oscar worthy though, but I still liked it. That's fair. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm sure Tag will try to defend it when we yeah. when we uh, talk about it. But 
Um, yeah, until then, I think we're going to have one week where we might be on a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, but depending uh, if we can record or not, because you know I'll be traveling next week, so we'll see. We'll we'll have a backlog of something. Yeah, uh, we'll 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 have something to just kind of tide our listeners over. Yeah, <laughs> but um, in the meantime. Uh, I've been Chris Thomas, and with me is always Brooke Ryder Dave, and thank you, Monica Bonnie, for coming and having some fun with us. Thank you. Thank you again, guys. That was good. Good. Yeah. good <laughs> that was talk. a good recording, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be still thinking about the movie for a little I, I might have to rewatch it again. I mean, it's a short, <laughs> it's a short movie. Yeah. Uh, which I love that. I, I'm yeah. so sick of like three. I think the Joker is like pretty freaking long too, but I do like yeah. the like shorter stuff that packs a punch. Mm-hmm. So like if right. you can be quick to consume and make me feel dread, that's excellent. <laughs> exactly. Maybe that's maybe I would be more inclined to like the lighthouse if it was a ninety minute movie. Uh, how long is it? I don't know. Actually, I'll tell you right now, actually. Um I think it's close to like two hours, isn't it? It <laughs> I will tell you the lighthouse. My watch it say ninety minutes. Um, I'm like, well, really? Because it felt like forever. That movie was a hundred and nine minutes, so only ten minutes longer than this movie. <laughs> it probably just felt long. Okay. It just felt I'll long. I'll have to see it and give you my opinion. It's yes, been please. on my list forever. Yes, yeah. check out that movie and and hit me up on Instagram and let me. You have to let me know what you thought of it because I, yeah. I just have a feeling that you're going to. Uh, text back and be like what are you talking about I've watched this movie five times it's awesome what, what, it, is it what, what, what is it Chris did, Chris, did you not get not to get <laughs> did you not get the deep metaphor it's, it's, you can just say that you don't get it it's 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 deep this movie's yeah. deep I can understand I can understand why you don't get it Chris it's a it's a pretty deep movie it's probably a little bit above your level <laughs> no but I can absolutely like see through bullshit like the whole like We'll see. I'll see, and I'll have my final opinion. But if it's yeah. like the black and white is just like a really basic plot device, and then it's just kind of like stupid, it's like, like I'll be able trying to, to be, be a like, German existentialist movie. Yeah, <laughs> then I'll be like, all right, this was a little ridiculous. Like I think I, I I say that more just because of people's reaction to it, to people who don't like it or just think it's okay. That people who really really love it are like, you just don't get it. No, I get it. It's just, I, I can get something. I probably get it a little bit more than you do because I understand uh, – because of some of the stuff I used to – some of the references in it are stuff that I used to read about back in, in college. Um, yeah. So, like, I probably understand it more than uh, the regular person. That doesn't mean I have to like it. I think it's it, – sometimes uh, A24 can just come off as a little pretentious to me sometimes. I can see that. No, yeah. Not, yeah. Like, I, I can picture the directors going home and just, like – looking at themselves in the mirror and going i am so deep (laughs) (laughs) there's definitely people like that that are creatives that do shit like that yeah (laughs) because i tried to see uh the guy who directed this he's only has two other uh short films to his credit um i think his last name is schultz or something who directed this movie so it comes at night schultz Um, did it comes at night yeah Yeah. and schultz had like yeah one other breakout movie and then i don't i don't recognize any of his other movies he had like two short films or something like that but but uh i i I enjoyed it more than uh you know it's kind of a roll of the dice with a24 but if if you want (laughs) actually i think you i think you'll love lighthouse you'll probably find swiss army man stupid but i find that movie hilarious 
I mean, the, uh, the plot just sounds like something that I'm like, I have to see what the fuck this is about. Um, just um, has it's just Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano, <laughs> um, and and Daniel Radcliffe plays a corpse, and but he talks, and uh, watch 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 just watch the Red Band trailer. That's all I gotta say. Okay. <laughs> it, it it will either explain everything or leave you with more questions, but. Oh, the guy that directed um, the lighthouse apparently directed the witch. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The, okay. The witch. That is another movie I have to watch again because that one did not click with me at all. I don't that, know why anyone likes that. Movie. Is that one another A twenty four? Yeah. Yeah. We need to do a month where we just do strictly A twenty four movies. Oh You'll really fuck do, yourself yeah. up. That's like too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's too much to, to consume. Well, I can't yeah. even do that. A twenty four film a day. Uh, at a a twenty four day, uh, we should do that in April. Uh, so April a twenty four, and, and that, the twenty four oh, days of April. And oh my god! And then we'll we will we'll, we'll get that going. Let's oh, let's, yeah. let's do that, Dave. And and we have to review Body Bag by John Carpenter. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was now that we was found out that's an actual film. So. <laughs> But um, I'm going to go ahead and log this off so I can start rendering. But thanks again for coming on. This was you were a delight. And you always have a open invitation if you ever want to come back on and geek out a little bit. Really Thank you guys it. again so much for the invite. Yep. So I will talk to you guys a little bit later. Let me know what you think of Lighthouse.